welcome to the Elephant in the Room, the Black Creative Experience podcast, where we have straightforward combos with Black visionaries, as well as Black wellness practitioners from around the country on the preservation of Black history through cultivating fine art, collective healing through holistic medicine and nutrition, or inspiring others through community service. Welcome and thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Muffy Rainbow Post, and I'm not very good at the small talk, so let's get straight into it. The best entertainment speaks to the human condition in an honest way. I don't remember not dancing. When I realized I was alive and these were my parents and could walk and talk, I could dance. Gregory Hines, dancer, actor, and choreographer. So what are asanas actually? On this episode of Elephant in the Room Black Creative Experience Podcast, I will be sitting down with Dominique Hollis, a community wellness strategist who gives back to the community in the form of healing through movement. I have learned so much during our conversation and I just know you guys will as well. With her BFA in art education and BS in cultural and prehistoric anthropology, she really, really blessed us with a wealth of information. So stay tuned to the very end uh, where she leads a guided meditation session. Two to three minutes, very, very powerful, very healing, very centering as well as a few of my favorite books on just getting a better grasp on the asanas. And if you're new to yoga, these references are a great introduction. So stay tuned and let's go learn some. An asana is a body posture Originally, and still a general term for a sitting meditation pose, and later extended in Hatha Yoga and modern yoga as exercise to any type of pose or position, adding reclining, standing, inverted, twisting, and balancing poses. Asanas were claimed to provide both spiritual and physical benefits in medieval Hatha Yoga texts. More recently, studies have provided evidence that they improve flexibility, strength and balance to reduce stress and conditions related to it, and specifically to alleviate some diseases such as asthma, and diabetes. Asanas have appeared in culture for many centuries. Religious Indian art depicts figures of Buddha, Shiva, 
in lotus position and other meditation seats and in the royal ease position. Laitasana. I don't want to chop it up. I'm not very good. <laughs> so pull up a chair, grab a notepad, something to write with because you will be taking notes today. <laughs> Stay tuned, y'all. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Black Creative Experience Podcast. I am your host, Muffy Rainbow Puffs, and I am here um, today with Dominique Hollis, a wellness practitioner and yogi based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. How are you, my dear? Introduce yourself Hi. and tell us a little bit about you. Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so as Gabby said, I'm a wellness practitioner. I refer to myself fondly as a community wellness strategist. And in that, I... Ooh, I like that. My, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a title that gives me, it gives me a lot of life. Would recommend self-titling you yourself if you have not give yourself the title that speaks more aptly to who you are and how you show up professionally um, so within that I do a lot of work in creating programs um, within the intersection of um, wellness uh, creative arts and um, mindfulness and meditation and offer those uh, courses, those workshops, those classes to folks as young as two and as well as an age as 55. Um, I am currently based in Michigan uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am working on creating a more accessible practice that can reach people no matter where they are, um, via my website. Uh, but that's just a little bit about me. And what is the name of your organization, by the way? The name of my organization is ACOMA, A-K-O-M-A, Wellness and Community. Awesome. So how did you get into teaching? I started teaching maybe three to four years ago, I had started my um, master's degree in social work, and I was working, or not really working, interning at a community agency that offered housing to low-income families, but also offered after-school programming for youth, and I was noticing um, with my interactions with the youth that there was some need for social emotional support uh, and there were programs in place already that were their intention were to support the youth around that uh, but they weren't really um, it didn't feel practical in the space and so I started teaching the kids yoga and 
we noticed that they had become more patient with each other, more aware of their own emotional responses to each other within the space. And they were just more inclined to to speak towards better community dynamics. So they were speaking their minds about things that were causing disruption in the space and showing up um, and collaborating around like creating a space that felt safe for everyone. Uh, so that was my first time teaching. And since then, I've mostly worked with uh, younger people with kids and then um, within the past year and a half I started teaching in different community spaces in Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti hosting pop-up yoga classes uh, for um, students at the universities within the perspective um, spaces but also um, community members and these classes were offered to black brown and indigenous people so that's the community I center with a focus on the experiences and healing of Black people. But a space that does not force Black people, brown, brown people, Indigenous people to have to negotiate self-worth with while negotiating, um, negotiating self-worth, but also negotiating how to show up in a space because of... Um, white supremacy <laughs> and how that impacts healing spaces um, and how it just makes spaces inaccessible to black, brown, and indigenous people. And so responding to that um, uh, crisis in terms of access to um, yoga classes, I created a space that only offer classes to that community so that they felt safe and supported in their own um, and self-investment. That's amazing. That's amazing. In your opinion, why do you think being, having an understanding and being present in your own body how do you think that makes it, in your opinion, how is that easier? I guess what I'm trying to say is being present. Ugh, let me get my words together. How, what would you say? How would you say being present in your own body makes it easier for you to communicate with others? How important other- is that? Being in tune with yourself to healthily or effectively communicate with others is. Okay. Took a while so to get out. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll give an example. So, um, I'm also a preschool teacher. Love <laughs> the kids. I work um, within a Montessori school. Um, and I work with toddlers and preschoolers. Most recently, I was working in a toddler classroom, and my focus was on social emotional development. Um, and one of the students in the class had been um, talking about his frustrations. He's three, and I'm like, that's a big word. Let's talk about that. What does that mean um, to you? And so we're talking about it, and um, 
I'm wondering then, how is this showing up? How, um, if this is a word that is holding a lot of meaning for you because you're noticing you're frustrated with um, playing with a friend or frustrating when um, completing a work. So uh, within a Montessori classroom, there are different bookshelves that have works on the shelves, which are um, different activities that help to educate and uh, develop the motor skills, um, motor skills of the students within the classroom. And so, so this student would get frustrated with um, interactions with students, with teachers, and with the works that were on the shelves. And so that started to um, draw my curiosity. Um, and really honestly, that's the first thing that happens when you are doing an embodied or mindful practice is that you become curious. You start to wonder, huh, like, what is that sensation and where is it coming from? Where is it arising? And that's um, a good tool for navigating when you have certain emotions that rise up that feel really big in your body. And that happens a lot with toddlers. And so this student, for him, the big emotion was frustration. And there was one day, um, and after doing so many exercises with them, I was like helping modeling behaviors, ways in which to navigate that emotion. And then also asking him, what, like, what's your version of that? What would you do instead? And um, inviting him to, to practice that. And so there was one morning when um, he was feeling frustrated and he had already been feeling frustrated at home and he was talking about that. We were doing a little interactive play and he was telling me about his morning and he was saying he was feeling frustrated. So I'm aware he's aware. And um, there was a moment in which he was working with another student and they were interested in the same toy and he wanted to play and this person wanted to play with it as well. Um, and so he pulled and was um, then um, kind of just thrown back and he became frustrated by that. And through that frustration, it caused him to um, kick a toy that was beside the other student. And then he um, was approached then by myself and another teacher, um, but we made sure to not be so um, overbearing within their own conflict resolution because that's that's the part of the Montessori classroom is that teachers aren't supposed to have such a large presence. It's this uh, child-centered space. And so that's in their learning, it's in their ownership of the space to navigate it. Um, so I was there as a support to help them navigate this, um, this situation. And because he noticed I was there and we had worked on these exercises, he's like, ah, I know what to do. And so he stopped and he's like, I'm sorry, I just get frustrated. I was frustrated because when you pulled the toy, it caused me to hurt myself because I fell back. And so that's why I kicked the toy that was beside you. But I didn't mean to do that. And so that's powerful. Him embodying, you know, checking in, seeing where that emotion arise, but also where it was directing him 
allows him to have more choice about how to show up in this and in, in the situation and how to redress it. Um, and I, I will say that after that, he usually we have in Montessori classrooms there are also deemed quiet spaces for students to go to just have space for themselves. And so that was right. one of the interventions that I had talked to him through. I'm like, you know, we have this quiet space over here where you know students go to read a book sometimes because the library is right there and so maybe you maybe a good that would be a good time for you to go find a book or maybe sit down and have some space to yourself maybe then that is a that is something that's helping you to recognize that you need space right now and so after he had this exchange with the student he um under his own uh self-motivation he chose to um, take some space for himself because the emotions of you know feeling but also redressing were one you know they're so big and he was aware of that and just like you know I think I just need to go take space by myself right now mm. and like that's a good choice you know but it's a choice that's come out of embodiment you know so and that's very powerful because that a three-year-old has that much self-awareness. I know some adults that aren't even that, you know, some people that are 40 yeah. plus years old that aren't even that present, you know, that's amazing. That's truly amazing. segment i asked dominique what the initial draw to yoga was for her and i got a little insight on that and i really don't want you guys to miss this part because she really really says an entire mouthful a very very good word on what it means to allow energy to move through your body and to channel it she really breaks it down how physically getting up and moving your body is the onslaught to moving your entire life around please check it out associated to how i'm living in the world and how i'm living in my body um, and that led to um, intentional fasting, to to figure out food allergies, and um, to uh, seeking out environments. So, because we were talking about that, environments that allowed me to have a sense of health. Um, so that meant leaving environments where, like, what was in that environment was the thing that was causing me the most harm emotionally mentally physically um and so it's just like yeah i had to step out um away from the place that was causing me harm to get my healing initially that was hawaii um but then being there and seeing how polynesian um existence is grounded in a sense and an understanding of their own personal ecology right right like their 
like our it really made me realize that like every aspect of myself as a black person ties me back to my ecology whether it's like my 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 uh indigenous spiritual practices or um my food or my stories or um like even just the seasons like the how uh time should actually exist for us which it seems linear but it's really not that right mm. so it's like our sense of time and place and orientation in the world is linked to environment and being in hawaii allowed me to see that in a grander sense because i'm not i wasn't around so much it's an island i was on oahu so it's like an island so you get a sense of like okay this is where we are um and i use that same sort of um sense of being than when i came back to the mainland to the united states um to figure out what does that look like for black people what does it look like to know who you are and to place it um with with the the understanding of the herbs that grow in your neighborhood or um the trees or the animals that you live um and community with like what does that look like what does it look like then to be even more broader than that how are our human associations um reflective of a healthy ecology of us having um different people that are uh taking positions uh taking occupations that help each other how are we showing up for each other how are we supporting a flow a flowing not forcing of cohabitation um and what's helped me the most with that was yoga right um the the to being in flow within my myself and noticing that um there's some nuances with that that those nuances will be different for different people based on our range of motion based on our own internal um challenges you know because the mind really sort of mediates how you show up on the mat right right from having a challenging day i'm like oh my god like it's gonna take me forever like i need me a good playlist sometimes to get me in the mood to start to move my body um especially on low energy days um so how were you introduced uh first introduced to yoga um and i agree with everything you said about hawaii as a black person being out there where the people all the people who are out there they brought their their customs you know um the way they live their they didn't lose any of that sense of self once they migrated way out into the islands out there so much so that you can tell once you go that far out and you just step foot on the soil it's a very spiritual land is a very high vibrational place and it's like a it's like a understood amongst all the people like just all the traditional rituals from leaving the pineapples on the doorsteps of homes to simple 
you know, welcoming and good spirits to come to the home. Like everything that the people do there is very much tied into their spirituality, their history as a Mm -hmm. people. And it's very inspiring, something that you have no choice but to really ponder on or be inspired by as a black person because, you know, our history of just being, like you said, uh, misplaced and kind of trying to figure out, you know, our how to still maintain these customs and following our natural rhythmic vibration in the way that we show up in the world how did you um how did yoga become that manifestation for channeling and getting back to your roots for you okay so two the two questions when did i begin my practice and how has it reconnected me to my roots yes okay so i started I started practicing yoga, Hatha yoga, um, when I was 15, but prior to that I had established a practice of meditation. I was um, interested in transcendentalism thought um, as it's reflected in art and painting and the philosophies of it. and. It became my first introduction to meditating. I would seek out areas of nature that felt very expansive. And then um, with my breath, tap into sort of the rhythm that was communicated by, you know, flow of air, by by movement of... um, elements within the environment of different sounds, smells, just tap into that um, and start started to become, build an awareness. Um, and it was a very informal introduction to meditating. I hadn't established um, any of the other sort of aspects of it um, until later. Uh, in my adulthood, but that was my first time um, tapping into at least some of the aspects of yoga that I am practicing now. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I started practicing at the age of 15, and the practice primarily for me was a tool to address trauma related to childhood, related to being in a foster care system. And I knew I needed some sort of support, emotional support that allowed me to, one, have a finer um, sense of discernment um, with regards to how I needed to navigate life with things having changed um, in terms of my what I have projected to be my future. Mm. So so that was one, that it allowed me the discernment. And then two, I needed to have a calmer sense of being to allow myself more choice. Um, there were certain 
emotional affects that were showing up a lot more than others mm. uh, that were sort of blinding uh, me from being able to to be um, intentional about how I was interacting with others and you know uh, responding to certain conflicts that I was just having really a challenging time around um so the discernment and the the greater capacity to choose what would elevate me versus what was most detrimental what would be detrimental towards to me um were gained through practice so i was practicing asana um which are the flows and postures and yoga and then i was practicing pranayama which was intentional breath work and um i got to a point i think too where i was in i would be in classes and if somebody was like really getting on my nerves to the point where i'm like i want to i want to really throw hands i would start to check into my breath right then and there i would just close my eyes and just be like and it was like it was kind of like a funny thing that like happened like you know like i would just be, be in the middle of the fire it's like and just like you know start to tap into the breath and what i realized is that there are a lot of emotional deposits you know that happen mm. when we're in a crisis and we're you know we're forced to either fight flight or freeze and then we have um, these emotional deposits that just settle in the body that that are coming out of those responses. So it's like, oh, are you tense? You'll feel it in the shoulders. Are you feeling anxious? You're gonna feel it in your heart. Are you feeling um, just just uncertain and um, unsure? That you're gonna feel it in your gut. Are you feeling insecure and unsafe? You're gonna feel it in your hips. You're gonna have like, so you, like I started to tap into that. And then of course, like as I'm noting, going up and down, those are your chakra points, right? Right. And so it's like a lot of these things under, like just bare knowledge, bare understanding of my body was being gained through um, my practice of the asanas and my breath work and i'm like oh okay i'm like oh i'm really tense um i start to practice more i i feel when i'm not practicing the difference in my body mm. like I, I feel i feel a sense of discomfort like you know where it's just like there's just like oh the patterns the the tightness stiffness just settled into my body mm -hmm. um so then it pushed or propelled me to seek out ways in which I could feel better in my body, mm. right? Like, right. okay, this is my introduction, and wow, you know, it's not as terrible as running. <laughs> or some of the, I hate running, not, too. <laughs> in of itself, it's not an exercise, right? Right. It's not an exercise. I'm not exercising. I'm not doing it for some sort of aesthetic-based um, sense of fitness that's not why I'm doing it so it there's a there's a lot more ease there's a lot more ease to it to be like okay I my mat happens to be out so I'm gonna do it um, 
so it allowed me to have consistency in practice but I will say that once I got to um, school uh, undergrad and I was taking classes live classes because before that I was just um, either like following through a book yoga poses and just practicing them feeling them out of my body or I was doing like a video online or um on VHS <laughs> um but then once I got to under once I got to school um and undergrad I attended the University of West Georgia and I was taking classes with other people I just realized how different it was to then like share my practice in this space with others and I just became really um, judgmental of myself especially because I was plus size and um, you know the the image of yoga in the west is very much white very much skinny very much you know like muscular hyper flexible right. body and um, it just it just gives you a sense that you have to be some to some extent already there to even practice to the extent in which these people are practicing to look this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hadn't really been aware of that aspect of yoga within the West because I had been practicing at home. I mean, I was using videos, but I like there wasn't any social media at that time beyond Facebook, and it was not developed enough to be so uh, overbearing with these um, uh, with with these more preferred bodies being displayed like I was not aware right so so you were just totally you know because you started you entered you went into yoga as a spiritual practice as a way for you to get in tune with your own body so by the time you were out and about in the world and comfortable after creating routine you didn't realize how glamorized (laughs) the wellness industry is in certain aspects of certain niches you know there's um what is there's a bar you know stuff where people incorporate the the sauna and the ballet uh things going on there's so many varieties of hatha yoga that it becomes like it sort of becomes confusing you can't it it, i don't know if hot yoga being as expansive as it is right now is actually good for the practice as a whole um because it's just um it's not grounded in like philosophy Mm. like there's there's just so many it's just it's just only focused on asana which i'm like that's i guess that's fine but i don't know if that's helpful or if that allows for the practice to not be harmful which in most cases it is when the space is focused on um 
about perfecting the body. Mm. And same with Pilates towards a standard like in establishing a standard for what that perfection looks like mm-hmm. and so attending classes in college i was getting a sense of that that you know there were bodies that were already there that were perfect that were um that were um, centralized in the space and those were the people that belonged there and it it was really challenging that for me to be like yes i own this and that was coupled to with just just feeling like within a a public white institution like a sense of belonging was very challenging overall like it was just extending to every community that i was in but that's besides the point that even outside of that university community i can still experience that i can still have either directly or passive aggressively (laughs) you know it be made um a perception that i don't belong there um and it's either you know i come into the space and uh the cueing is speaking to me personally <laughs> and what I shouldn't be doing or having a teacher come and be like, oh, no, 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 you're, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, or even before the class, like having an assumption that this is my first time practicing. So I just I just felt kind of more interrogated within the space mm. versus like, okay, I'm showing up and I'm showing up to show up for me. Like, not showing up to show up for anyone else, you know, like, I'm so for the community um, aspect of it, of connecting with people, but not to be interrogated, not not to, um, to have my practice be about what the teacher thinks is best for my body. And... Because um, truth be told, know, a lot of wellness practitioners, like you said earlier, um, in the West, and just globally a lot of wellness practitioners um do not formulate uh diet plans or any sort of knowledge or anything that really caters to the african phenome you know our diets are different our bodies are different our genetic makeup are is different than any other people and I think other uh races of people have that down pat better than we do so you know it's very easy to feel I think as a black person it's really easy to feel out of place in most uh in a lot of these spaces I don't want to say most but a lot of these spaces because it's just not centered towards us is not really welcoming at all. (laughs) Movement allows for things to be unlocked within the body. And, you know, there's degrees of movement that um, offer that. So... Hmm. 
I'm sorry. I'm losing my thoughts. Let me go back. So I'll speak to it in the ways in which I've experienced it in terms of the, the, um, the spiritual aspects of movement um, and how it helps you to connect to a greater source. Yes, three um, main points. Yeah. Um, so I... I like to work with the chakra system to get a, a sense of how to prepare myself spiritually um, to show up. I um, I like to consider myself a living ancestor, and I know that in this life that I need to work on perfecting the tool, which is my body. But also, it's the body as composed of the mental, emotional, physical, um, spiritual bodies, which are um, called sheaths within yoga. Mm. And so, if one body is um, not tuned or is not conditioned, towards wellness that impacts the other bodies, right? So with yoga and somatic practices, somatic being um, practices that allow you to embody your sense of being um, emotionally, um, which is is a very spiritual thing to do, um, especially with regards to Black people, right? Like we... We have a lot of trauma around embodiment. We have a lot of trauma about existing within our body and being present to being black physically and the tangible, just because that means we have to tune in into the ways in which there are um, systems and people that want to cause harm to us. Um, so there's, we feel, we, there's a lot of dissociation that happens. There's a lot of disembodiment. Um, and so to tap into your emotions and to come back into the body becomes very spiritual. It becomes something that is, it's an act of reclaiming. It's an act of reconciling in, um, reconciling what caused you to leave. Um, what I like to call home. This is home. Um, and to come back to your home with a sense of empowerment, with a sense of love and compassion and non-judgment. And I've experienced that the most with yin yoga, um, that that um, sense of unlocking and embodiment and also just like a, a, a rush of relief. Um, from experiencing it all, um, largely because uh, it's a, a form, yin yoga is a form of hatha yoga that's, um, it's, it's not an active, so hatha, uh, the forms of hatha that I, I practice, um, vinyasa and um, power, they're, they both require uh, active 
uh, mobility uh, practices and so or active mobility exercises so with vinyasa you're really being intentional about how you're flowing between asanas you're just not going from standing to sitting you're you're there's there's asanas in between to lead you there and so you're getting a lot um your your joints are being informed for healthier movement uh your muscles are being trained for this um wider range of motion joints and muscles are being like conditioned in that way and with yin yoga it's more passive because you're not you're not flowing between postures you're sitting and resting and what that allows your body to do is to access um those those poses and that length of time accesses the fascia um which is like the uh the thin membrane that covers your muscles like it's you know you there's no other way to to access that but through like um, really deep massage or just like settling and letting things just unlock and so um my yin practice allows me to in a very graceful sort of um loving way to access those chakra um points within my body to um allow me to elevate and to have a greater sense of spiritual grounding and spiritual elevation so from the root up to the crown um being able to um sit in postures then allows me to see ways in which um because just like with the the sheaths if one body is uh is um you know out of balance the other bodies are same with the chakras so it's like ah you unlock one and then you start to feel the other and it's like oh okay what do i need to do here um and that's so you're feeling that physically but then it's also as you know what the chakras are um representing in terms of your your spiritual wellness you then get tapped in into the ways you're spiritually balanced right right so it's it's a um it's a practice that is an exercise um yin yoga is a practice that is an exercise that, or not an exercise but and speaking of exercise in a way that it um it 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 gives you something to uh exercise in the way that um you're fine tuning your capacity to um to be aware of how the postures give you access to those points. Mm, so the exercise is mindfulness. Yeah, the exercise is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. So with movement in that way, you become mindful of the ways in which movement can allow access to yourself. to to these bodies. Mm. And so um yeah, it's it's the thing that's been really key in my spiritual development um is doing movements that give me greater access to um the ways in which I can be more available to um a healthier sense of spiritual being. 
Yeah, I think that's really great, really awesome. You're doing some great things in Michigan. I think it's so wonderful what you're doing and providing. Um, What are three poses that you would suggest to someone looking to be more in tune with themselves as well as their body that they can incorporate into their lifestyle for that mindful minute? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Three poses. Three poses. Three poses I would recommend would be downward facing dog. Mm. Would you like me to um to describe them or is yes. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, so in downward facing dog. Um, I like to talk about asanas um, and the ways that we're making shapes Mm -hmm. because we are just making shapes with our bodies and so in downward facing dog your your body takes the shape of a triangle your hips are the top corner of the triangle and your feet and your hands are the bottom two corners and you're pressing into your palms your palms are shoulder width apart and you're pressing into the soft pads of your fingertips and the L shape of the pointer finger and the thumb and that lifts the inside of the palm off of the mat or rug or ground wherever you're practicing so that you're creating a suction cup with your hands and that provides a a little security or not a little it provides a secure grip so that you're not feeling um, any dumping in the wrist because if your wrists are sensitive um, this pose can be um, a little challenging yes and so you're pressing into the, the the hands very intentionally gripping the ground or whatever you're practicing and that allows your arms to to sort of have this energetic um, surge Hi, baby. <laughs> um, hold on. My cat. Oh. I'm by myself, my computer. Sorry. So, palms are intentionally pressed into the mat. And there's an energetic line that serves up the arms. Your heart is open. Your chin is tucked so that the back of the neck is long. And you're pressing your heart towards your thighs. Your knees are bent because um, to allow openness in the hamstrings, um, especially if this is your first down dog of the day because hamstrings are will be tight. And you breathe and allow the breath to create some sense of ease and grace in the posture. And from that posture, um, I like to go into child's pose. And so arms are still straight, the knees connect with the ground mat. You can bring your big toe mounds together, open the knees out so that you get a stretch in your hip flexors as well. Mm-hmm. Your your um, torso just falls in between your thighs. 
and your forehead can make kind of a connection with the earth and you just breathe and allow your belly to become heavy and that heaviness to invite more openness in your hips. Um, and then the next posture, um, cat-cow. So from child's pose, you press up into a tabletop position. Your hands and wrists are below your shoulders. Your knees are below your hip points. And your toes can be tucked or untucked, meaning you're on the tops of your feet. And your spine is straight. And then with your inhale, you drop your belly, lift the crown of your head, lift the torso towards the ceiling or sky. And then exhale, hollow out your belly, arc your spine towards the ceiling or sky. And then your crown of your head, the your hip bones are pointing towards the earth. And you start to flow in the breath. And you can do this movement linearly, or you can start to move organically in a way that feels best for your spine. But this is a really good um, asana for warming up the spine and to feel some release if you're feeling tightness. So that's awesome. That's great. So the downward dog, for recap, for those who are listening, the three recommended poses um, will be downward dog, into the child's pose, followed by the cat-cow pose. All three very easy to incorporate into your daily routine. Um, I like all of these poses myself, uh, the child's pose in particular, and cat-cow, because I do carry a lot of stress and tension in my shoulders and upper back areas, so those, um, poses definitely do a whole lot if you sit a lot or stand a lot um for all my office folks out there um highly recommended and of course all of these will be in a pdf as well attached to this podcast as well as um other yoga uh, black yogis that you should be on the lookout for because black wellness and you know is something that is I don't want to say new but I don't think it's it's not so many of us in the forefront though even in the present day I think So I really appreciate and admire what you're doing in a predominantly black city, you know, out there in Michigan to be able to provide something so intentional and so meaningful and uh, healing as well. So you are very much appreciated for that. I hold you in such high regard. It's I think it's that's a wonderful and beautiful thing right there. So how can people get in contact with you? Um, I am, my name on Facebook is Dominique Hollis. Dominique, D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-E, Hollis, H-O-L-L-I-S. I also have my business page on Facebook, which is Acoma, A-K-O-M-A, Wellness and Community. 
on Instagram is Acoma Community. And my personal Instagram is the light enters. So the underscore light underscore enters. All right. So any closing words or, you know, we should go out. Could you lead us in a deep breath exercise to close this out? Sure. Okay. Okay. We have in our mindful minutes, y'all. Everyone, let's gather around. Find (laughs) you a quiet place. Get settled. We're going to close out with some centering. Okay, so come to a comfortable seat. Comfortable can be sitting in a chair or you're sitting on the floor on your bed. And you want to make sure that your sit bones are connecting, are grounded. You want to have an even seat. You can start to close your eyes or direct your um, line of vision down the nose bridge. Start to slightly, slightly close your eyes, soften the eyelids. You can bring both palms to your heart, press together. Lower the shoulders away from the ears. And start to inhabit just an organic breath here. Inhaling through the nose, exhaling out of the mouth. And with this breath, you can begin to notice the quality of the air around you. Maybe with your inhale, you're fragrances that are in the air now I wonder if you could make your inhale as long as your exhale inhaling deeply and exhaling fully all in the same length Deep inhale, exhale, begin to notice. Allow the breath to direct you towards the parts of your body where you're feeling expansion with your inhale and you're feeling contraction with your exhale. Are you feeling it with the back of the throat, the heart, rib cages or belly? Where is your breath moving in your body? Let's just sit here 
be here for five more inhales and exhales. Five long and deep inhales and exhales. If your hands are at your heart, you can drop them to your knees. And bat your eyes open. Thank you. All right, that was so relaxing. Thank you so much, Dominique, for that. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Please, please, please make time to get in touch with yourself and in tune with your body. Uh, Healing is a personal journey. What works for some does not work for all. So that is one thing I definitely want to emphasize, and Domo can attest to this as well. Do what feels natural to Mm -hmm. you and what comes easiest to you is what probably needs to healing. So please definitely keep that in mind uh, with your practices. It's very easy to look at other people and feel not in sync because you're not doing what everyone else is doing. Um, But by all means, yoga is more than just wearing the Fabletics and drinking the green lattes (laughs) and all of this other stuff that kind of gets grouped up with yoga. Yoga is very deep, is very meaningful, And it's an ancient practice for a reason. Please check out the PDF for our helpful reference materials as well as exercises. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sitting with us. And you have a wonderful day or evening. Goodbye.